All right, as has been announced, we will be in Ezekiel, chapters 38 and 39. We'll try and cover both chapters tonight. Hopefully under, under an hour, under, hopefully under 50 minutes. Amen? <laughs> we have a great gulf fixed over on this left side, but I'm glad that you all pulled uh, close here, and that's good. All right, let's, uh, let's pray before we begin. Father, we thank you and rejoice in your goodness to us. We rejoice in your word that tells us ahead of time what's ahead of us. Uh, as far as this world is concerned. And so, Father, help us to glean tonight some uh, understanding of what is ahead and uh, help us to see what's going on around us and rejoice and look for the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ, soon to come. We thank you and pray that you might meet with us tonight in Jesus' name. Amen. All right, chapter 38 of uh, Ezekiel uh, begins uh, to describe... A plan of attack, uh, and I say that deliberately because it will be an attack, uh, on Israel. And uh, what we want to do, first of all, is look at the players that are involved in this, uh, this end-time prophecy. And uh, so beginning in verse number 2, and by the way, the outline uh, that you'll have is broken up uh, very conveniently uh, by the expression, Son of Man. Wherever you see Son of Man in these two chapters, that is a break. It's a different idea that's being thrown at us, and that's where we're headed tonight. And so in verse number 2, Son of Man, set thy face against Gog, the land of Magog, the chief prince of Meshech and Tubal, uh, and prophesy against it. And so we see here the first of these, these uh, players that are uh, introduced to us tonight uh, the land of Magog uh, is Russia, and also the Ukraine. Okay, Ukraine used to be part of Russia, and if you've wondered why in the world is there such a big deal over the Ukraine, Russia came down and they snatched Crimea, okay, which basically was joined with Ukraine, but that wasn't their target. Their target has always been the Ukraine. They want them back. And in this prophecy, they have to be back with Russia, okay? And so part of the issue that's happening there is this power play over which way are they going to go? Are they going to go with the EU and NATO for protection, or are they going to join hands with Russia once again? And so we see in this prophecy they will join hands once again, Gog being the leader uh, of, of this, uh, this country, of Russia, and uh, <clears throat> uh, actually the word chief in verses 2 and 3 is the Hebrew word rosh. Okay, it's not very uh, much of a stretch of imagination to, to, to change rosh to Russia. Okay, it's pretty, pretty easy to do that. Uh, <clears throat> and uh, Magog being, being the whole land, the whole area, Meshach and Tubal, uh, as well as Magog, were all descendants of Japheth. All right, and so they all settled up in that region. Uh, actually, Meshach and Tubal uh, settled in the, the north part of Russia. Uh, well, actually, the central part of Russia. It's not Siberia. Um, 
but above the Black and the Cas uh, Caspian Seas. That's where they settled. And so that's the area that's being spoken of there. Uh, <clears throat> all right, and then down in verse number five, we'll pick it up. Persia. Uh, Persia is modern-day Iran. Uh, it is ancient Elam. So when you see prophecies in the scriptures and prophecies uh, of Isaiah and Ezekiel and so forth, uh, when it mentions Elam, that's Iran. Okay? And then we have Ethiopia. Ethiopia is modern-day Sudan. And then we have Libya, and that's, uh, that's obviously modern-day Libya is ancient Put. And notice, if you will, that both Ethiopia or Sudan and Put, and Ethiopia actually is ancient Kush. So you have Libya to the west of Egypt. You have um, uh, Ethiopia or Put was south of Egypt. Okay, and then Egypt is actually a descendant of Mizraim. Okay, and uh, they're not mentioned here, so they'll be out of it. Egypt's out of it. They actually have a contract with Israel, so uh, they've already been defeated twice uh, by Israel, and they're kind of afraid of them. Okay, but these other two are not, and they will link hands as well with Russia. And then uh, verse 6, Gomer. Uh, Gomer is another descendant of Japheth, uh, another son. And uh, then Tog Togarma. Uh, who is uh, also in the mix there, and that's modern-day Turkey. Whereas Gomer, they settled between the Black and Caspian Seas. And so that today is Georgia and Armenia. All right, And so those have always been linked uh, for some time with Russia. And so these players are, uh, are going to come down on Israel, and Israel obviously is another of the players that is involved here, uh, they're kind of—I hate to say—they're an innocent bystander. Uh, they're not a bystander. They're going to get invaded. Uh, but, um, anyways, Israel is spoken of in verse eight. Talks about those that came back from the sword and uh, so forth, and and uh, settled in the mountains of Israel. And that's talking about Israel. That happened in 1948, and uh, <clears throat> that. Uh, and, and they're actually the identification in chapter 37, which speaks of the Valley of Dry Bones, came together and went back into the land of Israel. So that's what that's all about. And we're not going to go into chapter 37 uh, to take too long. Uh, and then we have over in verse 13, we have, and, and by the way, um, Persia or Iran, Elam, Okay, was actually a descendant of Shem. And both Put and Cush were descendants of Ham. So you have all three of Noah's sons, their descendants are involved in this invasion of Israel. All right, and in verse 13, we have Sheba and Dedan, uh, and the merchants of Tarshish, and the young lions thereof. And uh, interesting, uh, Sheba and Dedan are also descendants of Ham. And today, Sheba is Saudi Arabia. And Dedan, interestingly enough, is Yemen. Why is it that there's war happening in Yemen? And why is it that Iran 
is actually helping this rebel activity in Iran, in, uh, in Yemen. Uh, that's because they're trying to break up this alliance. Uh, I'm pretty sure that they'd be familiar with this prophecy, and they understand that if they can break this up, then this can't happen. Okay, uh, but uh, it's not it, it's not going to work, and that's why Saudi Arabia, by the way, is actually defending the Yemenis or however you say the Yemenis. Um, uh, they're they're defending them. They're actually attacking the rebels, and, because in this prophecy they have to be joined together in an alliance. All right, and so and then you have Tarshish. Uh, some people say Tarshish is Spain. Uh, but there is no proof that there was ever any tin that was mined in Spain. But there was a lot of it that came from Cornwall, which is in Great Britain. And so most people consider Tarshish as Great Britain, and the Young Lions would be the colonies of Great Britain, which include the United States, Australia, New Zealand, there are a couple of other smaller uh, groups as well. Those are the young lions of Tarshish. And uh, we'll, we'll get into that in just a minute. So those are the players. And, and uh, verse 13 are the players that are the opposition players in this mix. Okay? So they're going to oppose what's happening here. All right, so going back to verse number three. And say thus, un, uh, and thus saith the Lord God, Behold, I am against thee, O Gog, the, uh, the chief prince of Meshach and Tubal. And I will turn thee back and put hooks in thy jaws, and I will bring thee forth all thine army, uh, horses, men, and horsemen, all of them clothed with all sorts of armor even great company with bucklers and shields. Buckler is a big shield, okay? Uh, and all of them handling swords. And, and then he says in verse 7, he says, be, uh, be thou prepared and prepare thyself, thou and all thy company that are assembled unto thee, and be thou a guard unto them. Now he's speaking to Gog. And what we're seeing today happening, having to do with this last phrase particularly, be thou a guard to them. We're seeing this in Syria right now. Okay, Russia was not, had nothing to do with this seven-year uprising that has happened in Syria, but now they're involved, and they've been involved for the last year and a half as a guard for Syria so that Syria can go in and bomb the rebels and no one can step in, U.S. or Israel or anybody else. All right. So they're practicing being a guard for the rest of this consortium that's going to come against Israel in the last days. All right. So, so that, that's, to me that's exciting that we're seeing the, this coming to be. All right. And so Syria is only a, a practice run, so to speak. And, of course, Iran, <clears throat> most people are wanting Iran out of Syria, except Russia and Iran and Turkey, okay? <laughs> They're quite happy to have them stay there. And it's interesting, <clears throat> I thought, well, how, how are these nations going to come together? I mean, you've got Turkey, that's a member of NATO, 
that want to become part of the EU. But because of their abuses of people, the EU said, no, you can't be a member until you clean up your act. And so they're being pushed away from the EU. And, and, and Erdogan is pretty upset with all of that. And he's been trying for years to join the EU. The EU is saying no. So what's he going to do? All right. Where is, where is he going to fall in all of this equation? It's interesting, too, that these three had started communicating with one another. Now it's much more than communication. The first week in September, Iran, Russia, and Turkey are going to have a major meeting in Tehran. Okay? They're going to join hands. All right? That happens first week in September. Why is that going to happen? Why, why are they being driven together? I'll tell you why. Because there's a president in the United States right now who is all for Israel, and he's against this consortium that's taking place, and uh, he's against the Iran nuclear deal. He's pulled out of that, and uh, it's upset them a little bit in Iran. But now, in order to get them to come to the table... He's placed sanctions back on Iran uh, because of the, the interference with the U.S. elections in 2016. He's placed sanctions on Russia. He's booted out 60 diplomats from Russia. Okay? And, uh, and now, just recently, because of this incident with the pastor, the U.S. pastor in Turkey, he's put sanctions on Turkey as well. And so their economy is going belly up. The, the lira, is, lira is at the lowest level that it's been a long time. Okay, So all three of them are being sanctioned by the U.S. And their economies are getting destroyed because of that. Economically, they're going nuts. So what are they doing? They're going to pull together. And part of the reason that's happening is because President Trump has put... Uh, put sanctions on all three of those countries. And uh, interesting, I was just looking today on, on uh, some of the news, and uh, <clears throat> Russia, Putin specifically, has said, right, it's time to can the U.S. dollar. How are they going to do that? They're going to band together and have their own currency. Okay, and, and I believe China is probably going to be involved in that as well. All right, and so it's, it's driving these people together. Whether or not Trump understands what he's actually doing or not, I don't know, but uh, it's exciting that these things are happening. All right, and so those are some current events that are happening that are, that are putting in place what we're seeing here in this chapter. All right, and so they're going to come down. And when, uh, when the children of Israel are dwelling safely, and it's interesting, is Israel dwelling in safety today? You tell me. Okay, to us, it appears that they are not dwelling in safety. I mean, there's attacks on them all the time. But it's interesting, this same word that's used here, safely, 
is translated in chapter 39 and verse number 6. You want to look there? And it's translated carelessly. You say, well, those don't seem to go together. Well, let me talk about it for a minute. If I'm dwelling safely, I'm relaxed, I'm not vigilant like I ought to be, I'm careless. I'm not cautious. That's why Netanyahu has gone up to Russia several times to try and talk to him about the situation that's happening on his borders. Why would you go to Russia? <laughs> he understands, well, I, I would think that he has seen the scriptures here and understands that there's going to be this attack and he understands where all of these people dwelt in times past. So why would he go to Russia? That doesn't make any sense whatsoever. But he is. Why? Because he's careless in the safety of his country. And so if we, if we put carelessly in this verse instead of safely, it makes a lot more sense. All right? And so we see in verse uh, number 10, we'll start there. Thus saith the Lord God, it shall also come to pass that at the same time shall things come into thy mind. Some people would dispute that Putin doesn't even have a mind, but he does. He's a sharp cookie. Okay, And at, at the time of this, there's, there's going to be something come into his mind. He's going to be contemplating one day and say, man, you know, our economy's ruined and we're just not doing anything, but look at Israel, they got everything. Ah, thought starts coming in, and it continues on in the verse, uh, and says, And thou shalt think an evil thought. And it's interesting, the word think in this verse means to plan. It's not just thinking about something, it's actually planning something. What's he planning? He's planning an evil thought. And the word thought in this verse means to plot. And that's the first point of our outline tonight. This plot by Russia and their consortium to come against Israel. And uh, verses uh, 11 and 12 talk about them coming down for a prey and a spoil. And uh, the word prey is translated in chapter 39 as rob. All right, so they're going to come down and they're going to take things that don't belong to them. They belong to God's people Israel but they're going to come down for that purpose. Why? Because they have it all. I mean, the land of Israel before 1948 was desolate. That's what the Bible said it was going to be. And now they're flourishing. They're the only country in the Middle East that's really going well. And so it's all being set up. The stage is set. And then they're going to come down. And Sheba and Dedan and Tarshish and the young lions shall say, in verse 13, unto thee, Art thou come to take a spoil? Hast thou gathered thy company to take a prey, to carry away silver and gold, and to take away cattle and goods, and to take a great spoil? Sheba and Dedan, Saudi Arabia, Yemen, 
Great Britain, the U.S., Australia, New Zealand, okay, are going to say. In other words, they're not going to do anything. They're just going to talk about it. Sounds like modern-day diplomacy, right? And that's what's happening here, okay? And, and look, diplomacy doesn't work for these people. They don't understand diplomacy. They understand what Trump is doing at the moment, which is destroying their economies, okay? That's what they understand. That's the language that they understand. And so here, they're going to come up against them and say, what do you think you're doing here? Oh, let's talk about this. Well, that's exactly what they want. Okay, you talk and we'll act. Okay, and so it's all being set up politically for this time. And, uh, <clears throat> and God is going to, uh, to do something about it. And so they come down, and uh, in verse 14, we have the second uh, of the Son of Man uh, statements. says, Therefore, because of this plot, Son of Man, prophesy and say unto Gog. And notice it said prophesy in the first, uh, in verse 2. It says prophesy here. We'll find out in chapter 31 in verse 1. It says prophesy. Okay, and so this is what he's, he's supposed to prophesy to these people. You tell them about it, Ezekiel. And uh, he says, <clears throat> uh, Say unto Gog, Thus saith the Lord God, In that day when my people uh, of Israel dwelleth safely, shall thou not know it? Well, that's a no-brainer. Obviously, they're going to know it. It's, it's going to be a country with no walled cities. Now, in ancient Israel... All of the cities were walled. They had walls around them, and the walls uh, would go out this way, and then they would come in this way part way. You had an opening here and an opening here. You had to pass through that to get into the city. That was a great defense against intruders. Now there's no walled cities. They have a wall between Gaza and, and Israel, Okay, but that's not what they're talking about. They're talking about the cities themselves, each being walled, and that's not going to happen. Well, that exists today. There's not a wall around any of the cities in Israel. All right, so when they're dwelling in safety, you're going to know about it, and that's when you're going to think you've got the advantage and you're going to attack. All right, and the rest of these verses down to verse 18 describe that event taking place. Verse 18 is where I'm going to pick it up because God is saying to Gog, because you have this plot, you're not going to go unpunished. And so we see the punishment that's going to be inflicted upon this group. All right? And it's not going to happen by the U.S. or the U.K. or Australia. They're just going to sit back and... and say a bunch of stuff that isn't going to lead to anything, just like they do now. All right, and so verse 18, And it shall come to pass at the same time when Gog shall come against the land of Israel. This is God's people. And they come against them, saith the Lord God, that my fury shall come up in my face. 
For in my jealousy and in the fire of my wrath have I spoken. All right? So he's pretty upset with this, God is. And uh, he doesn't like it at all. And so he's going to punish these people for what they're doing or attempting to do. And we find the first punishment in verse 19. There shall be a great shaking in the land of Israel. God's going to shake them up a bit. God's good at that. Uh, Did you ever hear of the Pacific Rim of Fire? It's called the Ring of Fire. Okay. It goes all up the western coast of South America, North America, across down the east coast of China and Japan and and, uh, the Philippines and and around Indonesia and and around uh, the northern part of Papua New Guinea. That's called the Ring of Fire. Last weekend... Last weekend, in a 48-hour period, there were 69 major earthquakes in that region. 69 major earthquakes. A major earthquake is anything above four and a half on the Richter scale. 69 of them within 48 hours. Wow. (laughs) Uh, That's amazing. So earthquakes are happening all the time. When you have earthquakes, you also have volcanic activity. God's going to send an earthquake to shake this army up, shake them out of their boots, so to speak. All right, and uh, <clears throat> so he's he's going to disrupt them a bit with this earthquake. Okay, they're unsteady on their feet. Okay, pretty much of a disruption in their operation. And then down in verse number twenty-one. <clears throat> And I will call for a sword against him throughout all of my mountains, saith the Lord God. Every man's sword against his brother. Every man's sword should be against his brother. What do they call that? I call that disunity. <laughs> okay. Is that not the way these guys are? Even today? They can't even work together. Okay, Because they all want the ascendancy. Erdogan wants the ascendancy. Putin wants the ascendancy. Khomeini wants the ascendancy. They all, they all want to be top dog. So they're not going to be able to work well together. You can't do that and have unity. And so God is going to send disunity in their ranks, and they're going to turn on each other. They're going to start fighting each other. That's actually happened in, in the past uh, where that's happened. And so it's no strange thing that will be happening. So disunity, and they'll start fighting each other. And... Uh, Notice Israel doesn't fight. They just watch it happen. All right. Uh, Verse 22. And I will plead against him with pestilence and with blood. Pestilence and blood. That's disease. Okay. Do you ever see someone with internal bleeding and they're just spewing blood? Uh, That's going to be happening. These diseases are going to be crucial and they're going to be horrible diseases that God sends. And, uh, and then another punishment is found at the end of verse 22. Uh, and upon uh, the many people that are with him, an overflowing rain and great hailstones, fire, and brimstone. This is, this is just going to wreak devastation. Okay, Great hailstones. 
I mean, I'm not talking about the little ones that put dents in your car. We're talking about big ones. You know, I've, I've heard of ones that are size of golf balls. These are going to be greater than golf ball size. Okay? When they hit you in the head, it's going to be pretty devastating. Okay? It'll split your skull open. Blood will go flying everywhere. Okay? God's going to send us. We've, we've experienced fire and brimstone before in scriptures, haven't we? Huh? Sodom and Gomorrah. God rained down, fire and brimstone. <laughs> Burn it to a crisp. And so these, these uh, punishments against what they're seeking to do with Israel. And it's interesting that, <clears throat> just sort of an aside here, it's not in this passage, but it's interesting, every time a lawmaker or a government official says something about dividing the land of Israel, some natural disaster happens in that country. It's very interesting. Uh, there's a, there's a, a guy that did a lot of research on this over a couple of decades, and he chased down 127 times that someone has said, need to divide the land of Israel, and some natural disaster has hit. America's been, <laughs> been hit with a lot of those, okay? And uh, it, it's, God won't tolerate people picking on his people, okay? He's for them, he's, and uh, just because he sent them into captivity because of their sinfulness and the fact that they didn't recognize him uh, as their Lord is no reason to believe that God is through with them, okay? Now, the, the main Protestants today all believe that Israel's gone. They believe that the church is modern Israel, okay? They spiritualize it. It's not true. The church is the church. Israel is Israel. And God's not through with Israel. He's going to come to their, to their aid. And we'll see that in chapter 39 because that's our third point, the protagonist. A protagonist is a hero. There's not going to be any Israeli heroes at this time. There's not going to be any other countries that are going to step in and go to bat for Israel and try and fight for them. Not going to be any of that happening. The protagonist in this equation is God himself. Notice with me the word I in these first several verses. And I'm going to supply a couple of them for gra grammatical um, continuity here. Okay, So I'm going to take out the ands and put I in its place. All right? uh, verse number 1, chapter 39. Therefore, thou son of man... Prophesy against God and say, Thus saith the Lord God, Behold, I am against thee, O Gog, the chief prince of Meshech and Tubal, and I will turn thee back. We heard about that before, didn't we? We read that in verse number 4 of chapter 38. And he says, And leave but a sixth part of thee. A sixth part is 17% of this vast army is going to be wiped out. 83% of them are going to die. Okay? Why? Because God is going to do it. I will turn thee back and leave uh, a sixth part of thee. I will cause thee to come up from the north parts. And I will bring thee upon the mountains of Israel. And I will smite thy bow out of thy left hand. And I will cause thine arrows to fall out of thy right hand. Uh, 
And thou shalt fall upon the, more, the mountains of Israel, thou and all thy bands, and the people that is with thee, I will give thee unto the ravenous birds uh, of every sort, and to the beasts of the field to be devoured. And we'll talk about that in a few minutes. Uh, <clears throat> uh, thou shalt fall upon the open field, for I have spoken it, saith the Lord, uh, Lord God, and I will send fire on Magog and among them that dwell carelessly in the isles, and they shall know that I am God. Okay, and it goes on and on and on. I'm not going to go through the whole chapter. The whole chapter has a lot, of, lot more of these eyes. All right? God's not talking about anyone else except Him. He's the protagonist. He's the hero. He's the one that's going to come to the rescue of His people. And He's going to slaughter them. And it says in verse, uh, verse number 9, the end of the verse, that they're going to, bear, uh, that they're going to burn the weapons of this vast army for seven years. Chris, we won't need any firewood. <laughs> seven years worth. That's a lot. Okay, they won't have to cut any trees for firewood. They won't have to... It'll be, it'll be burning for seven years. <clears throat> and then it says they're going to be burying the dead for seven months down in verse number 12. <clears throat> And uh, it's going <clears> to <throat> be in the valley of Haman Gog. And uh, you might say, well, where is that? It talks about the, on the east side of the sea. Which sea are they talking about? Well, they're not talking about the Mediterranean Sea. They're talking about the Dead Sea. Okay? <clears throat> because in verse number 18, it talks about this feast that's going to happen. And it's going to happen in Bashan. That's on the east side of the Jordan River. That's in the country of Jordan presently. Okay? That country, that land actually belongs to Israel. You remember the two and a half tribes? They wanted their inheritance on the east side of Jordan. Okay? Well, they're going to bury them there. For seven months, it's going to take to bury all these people. Seven months. <clears throat> That's going to be more than one funeral a day, too. I estimate that there's going to be millions of people that will die. Millions. Imagine burying a million people, let alone multiple millions of people. And so I say that God's going to turn their plot into a burial plot. All right? He's going to do away with them. <clears throat> All right. Now, he's going to draw them to this place, Israel, the mountains of Israel. He's, he's going to uh, draw them in spite of their plot against his people. And then he's going to defeat them in behalf of his people. And then he's going to deliver his people. And that's what he does. He defeats our enemies, our foes, and he delivers us, his people. And that's what he's going to do. But the question we need to, to answer now is, why? Why would he do this for Israel? I mean, after all, they, they gave him the, 
the nose up. We don't need you, God. And so he sent them into captivity. So they have nothing to offer. In fact, they don't even believe that he's the Messiah now. Well, why in the world would he do something like this? Why would he go to bat for them when they've rejected him and are still rejecting him even at this moment? Why would he do that? Well, that's why we need to talk about his purpose in doing this, and that's in verses 17 to the end of chapter 39. And thou, son of man, thus saith the Lord God, Speak unto every feathered fowl and to every beast of the field. Here he doesn't say prophesy. He says speak unto. Why? It doesn't do a whole lot of good to prophesy to an animal. Does it? I just don't get it. They can't process the information. But you can speak to them. Okay? He said, you speak to the feathered uh, fowl and to the beast, so the birds and the beasts, and uh, say unto them, assemble yourselves and come, gather yourselves on every side to my sacrifice that I do sacrifice for you. I'm giving you this, this great sacrifice, and you come and you feast on this. Even a great sacrifice upon the mountains of Israel, uh, that ye may eat flesh and drink blood. Ye shall eat flesh, uh, the flesh of mighty, uh, the mighty, and drink the blood of princes of the earth, of rams, of lambs, of goats, uh, of bullocks, all of them fatlings of Bashan. And ye shall eat uh, fat until ye are full, and uh, you're going to drink blood until you, you be drunken of my sacrifice that I have sacrificed for you. So, what was the purpose in this, this great defeat, this great destruction, so that he can feed the birds and the beasts? Is that it? That seems rather a foolish purpose, doesn't it? Um, and, and by the way, I believe these are more than Jewish birds and Jewish beasts. Because they're going to pig out, and Jews can't have pork. So there's going to be others coming in. There's going to be a lot of them, millions of them. And they're going to eat the flesh of these millions that have died in this battle. And the answer to my question, is that all there is in the purpose of God? And the answer is no. Let's keep reading down in verse 21. And I will set my glory among the heathen. In verse number 13, the end of that verse says, That I shall be glorified, saith the Lord God. The number one purpose for God's doing this is His own glory. You know that's why He does everything that He does? is so that He can receive glory. That's why He helps you and that's why He helps me. For his glory. Now we benefit from that help, but it's the purpose is for him. It's not for us. Uh, and then it says in verse 21 again, And all the heathen shall see my judgment that I have executed. And so they're going to see his judgment in verse number 7. 
<clears throat> we read, so, so will I make my uh, holy name known in the midst of my people Israel, and I will not let them pollute my holy name anymore. And the heathen shall know that I am the Lord, the Holy One of Israel. God's doing this to point the heathen to himself. You know, he's been interested in that from time infinitum, you know, okay? Ever since Adam sinned in the Garden of Eden, he has been desirous for the heathen to know that he is God. His glory, and for, for the heathen to know and understand that he's God. And verse 21 again, and my hand that I have laid upon them, okay? That the hand of God has done this. That's a purpose. So that Israel will see the hand of God. Whoa. They don't see his hand now. Do you see his hand in your life now? We miss a lot, don't we? In, in fact, a lot of times, when things aren't going well, we blame the devil. I think we need to stop doing that. Why do I say that? Because every time we give him credit for something, we're glorifying him. Okay? Let's give glory to God instead. All right? And recognize that his hand is upon us, just like Israel will on this day Recognize the hand of God. Uh, this, this, this is going to be a miracle that Israel is going to see before their very eyes. They did not lift a finger, but God's going to come in and destroy the enemies. Verse 25, Therefore thus saith the Lord God, Now will I bring again the captivity of Jacob and have mercy upon the whole house of Israel and, will, and I will be <clears throat> jealous for my holy name. And so he's interested in his people seeing that he's involved in their lives. And we need to take that away and say, we need to recognize God's involvement in our lives as well. All right, and then back up to verse 22. <clears throat> so we've got three reasons, well, four reasons so far. Uh, <clears throat> verse number 22. So the house of Israel shall know that I am the Lord their God from that day forward. Verse 28. Then shall they know that I am the Lord their God. He's not just God. That's what they think now. But he's their God. Israel's going to know that God is their God, which caused them to be led into captivity among the heathen. They're going to recognize it was God that sent them into captivity because of their sinfulness, because of their rejection of Him. But I have gathered them unto their own land. Please understand this one. The Palestinians say Israel has no right to the land. Iran says they have no right to the land. Turkey says they have no right to the land. A lot of others say they have no right to the land. God says that I'm going to gather them unto their own land. Why is it their own land? Because God gave it to them. He's never revoked that. 
So that's a great verse for those if you want to argue with them uh, about the land of Israel. And I ha- uh, <clears throat> and have uh, left none of them anymore there. Where? Throughout the world. They're all going to come in to Israel. They're all going to accept him as the Messiah. They're all going to follow him from then uh, f- forever. So what are the purposes? These are the purposes why God is doing this. God doesn't do things just to be heard, just to do them. He does them for purposes. And he lets us know what those purposes are. So, he's, he's going to draw them. He's going to defeat the enemies. He's going to deliver his people. And what's the purpose? Well, the main purpose is that he deserves our prayer, our praise. He deserves our recognition. He deserves us following him. And Israel will recognize that at this time. We need to recognize this now, right now in our lives. May God help us to see this prophecy as it unfolded and to apply it to our own situations. Do we really believe that God is interested in us? Do we really believe he's involved in our lives? That he's trying to draw us to himself? Do we really believe that? Or is it just some airy-fairy nonsense that people say? No. He's involved. And he does things for us that we will never understand why he ever did it. But he's receiving glory for it. And we need to follow him because he deserves it. He deserves our love. Will we give it to him? Let's pray. Father, thank you for thy word. We thank you for this uh, true uh, prophecy that will come to pass in the near future, we believe. Lord, I pray that we would take and apply what we've heard in our own lives that it might help us and strengthen our relationship with you. May we, as Israel will one day, and the heathen will recognize one day, may we, as your children, as your bride, as your church, recognize you and your involvement in our lives. We pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen.